0: Welcome to the One About Podcast, a show where we talk about things we read, watch, and play each week. This week, we're ramping up the Christmas spirit with possibly the single greatest Christmas classic of all time. This is the one about its a wonderful life. I'm your host, Dean. I also go by Endless Colon places around the internet, and I am joined this week, as always, by my own guardian angels, John and Jordan. What's going on this week, guys? Oh, that was cute. Oh, I'm
1: going to jo- throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, what's up what have i been up to this week let me tell you what i've been up to this week okay that was my
0: question so that'd be Yeah. Nice.
2: we not say it like that at all Ever? i've been really doing much <laughs> <laughs> You're such a fucking idiot. this uh oh my
0: God.
1: this evening though i watched the uh lego star wars holiday special on disney plus
0: oh i saw that what is that
1: it's a shit show.
0: Is it is it like a Lego recreation of the holiday special from No, Maria? no,
1: no, 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 no. It's something completely um, unique, yeah. essentially perfect. it follows it's after episode nine. Uh mm-hmm. it it uh basically the story is it's life day and now that the 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 new uh the new republic is in order and peace is brought about to the galaxy for the second time in thirty years, um They are celebrating Life Day for the first time. So everyone flies to Kashyyyk. So it's Chewie, it's Poe Dameron, it's Finn, it's Ray, it's Rose, it's C3PO. I hate Rose. C3PO, (laughs) r 2s there, BB 8 is there, and so's Dio, Uh, which Dio in this movie actually grew on me a little bit. I kind of like Dio. So. They all land on Kashyyyk, and they want to celebrate life day and, and Rey is training Finn how to be a Jedi. Which is the first thing like I saw that and I turned to Lauren and I'm like is this canon? I'm like I had to google it. So cuz like I know in episode 9 they teased Finn having force powers and stuff, but in this one the movie starts with her. I just this is not canon, of course, but it's just it's just you know the concepts and stuff that they deal with it's it's assumed that it uh, is canon right so finn is was training to be a jedi and he had ray's yellow lightsaber and they're training and finn's having a hard time learning and picking it up it's all kinds of goofy lego stuff And um, yeah, Rey's reading from the texts and she's uh, she's upset because she doesn't know how to train people to be Jedis. And she's reading from the ancient texts, the sacred texts, and she's not getting anything. There's no like how to train your dragon chapter in the books and she's frustrated. So then she reads something that's in in the ancient Jedi text that says, oh, if you go to this planet on life day, then it'll show you your future. Or it'll guide you to your future, or something like that. So Ray alone leaves, and everyone, everyone else doesn't want her to leave because they're trying to celebrate Life Day, and they're trying to have a big old Christmas. Oh, sorry, Life Day party. Um, and they're trying to find a tree on Kashyyyk to put inside the Millennium Falcon. It's actually kind of cool. Oh, well, not cool, but it's endearing and cute. And then there's a bunch of there's a bunch of other Wookies, and they start having the party. And then Chewbacca's family, the the other Wookies, come. They start fucking everything up, just being obnoxious ass Wookies, and it's hilarious. Anyway, so Ray's on this, this other like planet. More in
0: depth than I expected.
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to give a whole synopsis, but I wanted to, I just wanted to bring up the the, the main like plot of this movie and like what was just ridiculous. So Ray goes to this planet, the Jedi Temple that's of course in some snowy mountain peak because they can't help themselves fucking jedi and she finds this ancient artifact that's there and the ancient artifact when she like twirls it in a circle opens up a portal through space and time and the rest of the movie is just her jumping around famous star wars scenes and then she accidentally has those characters follow her into the portal because she teleports to where the Emperor and Darth Vader are planning on going to get Luke on Endor in episode 6, and then they catch her, and then Vader jumps in the portal after her, and then they start teleporting back and forth, and every time they teleport, they grab more people, like Anakin and Obi Wan come, and then Qui Gon Jin falls in, and then Darth Maul is there, and then like all these other stormtroopers are there, and then they they fucking teleport to Tatooine in Episode One, and the whole like freaking two pod racers fall into the time portal, and they're all just falling through these different scenes, and it becomes a huge clusterfuck, right? And then really, it, it ends up being like this big fight scene between ray and darth vader which (laughs) come on ray and darth vader are fighting and then luke and um kylo ren are fighting episode six luke and kylo ren are fighting because oh yeah kylo ren gets all looped up into this then the emperor likes kylo ren Mm because the emperor also is in in the time loops and emperor is like oh my god i want kylo ren to be my, my new apprentice fuck vader literally he says that to vader's face and vader's like oh man that's not very nice. Literally those exact words. So Vader's a bitch. Kylo <laughs> Ren apparently is better than Darth Vader. is what the emperor says because Kylo Ren informs the emperor of everything that was going to happen. So the emperor knows that Vader is going to throw him down the shaft. So emperor's like, that's not cool, dude. I want you to be my apprentice now. And at the end of the day, she puts them all back in their proper time. They don't explain that, like, no memories were wiped or anything. So that would have ruined everything, right? But anyway, uh, Ray learns her lesson that all masters make mistakes and that's part of learning. And she needs to go back and celebrate Life Day with the rest of her friends. And she does that. And the movie ends. Wow. It's fresh in the mind. I just watched it like an hour ago. So, a... Smash or Pass? terrible pass pass hard hard hard, it's a cute movie but it's uh it's a hard pass from me dude it's not even like the coolest part of the entire movie was they teleported and ray and darth vader were in the middle of a lightsaber duel on the same volcanic river at the same time that Obi-Wan and Anakin were dueling in the third episode. So they were like dueling around each other and they're both like, who the fuck is that? What's going on? And they're all lightsaber fighting, but they don't know who each other are. And that part was kind of cool, but Vader made no reference to that scene. Like Vader, is not like, Oh, I hate this planet." Like there was no throwaway line that made it funny or anything. It was just kind of cool to see it. So it was the equivalent of like having toys and then like playing with them and being like, Oh, we're, Like using your imagination, just playing with Lego toys. So, yeah, you can probably cut all this out. But
3: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) All right then.
0: No, I mean, uh, I think your insane and inane rants are part of your charm, man. Eight minutes. Got it. john what have you been up to man
2: fucking playing rocket league but I you got me mean,
1: yo I'm yes! yes i'm so happy dude uh... we had an awesome time playing snow day stuff we were pretty good dude, dude. that puck game sucks it's
3: Sor-
0: <laughs> J- jordan you would be so proud i've been getting so fucking salty at my teammates man yes yes I, yes i, I I switch from team-only chat to all chat, and I just throw out toxicity wherever I can. Yeah! That's what it's always supposed to be. Just, just fucking every time I dunk a goal in there, what a save, what a save, what a save.
3: Ooh. <laughs>
0: fucking fucking <laughs> nobody anywhere near there, what a save. There was, there was one point where like my teammate blocked my shot on goal, which would have definitely gone in hits it back our way and then dunks it into our own goal. <laughs> and I I want to believe it was a mistake because he's like a bronze or a silver rank player like me, right? But I couldn't help myself. I hit the touchpad and I typed out wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh he left the game. And I don't, I don't understand why. <laughs> I'm proud of both of you. The- <laughs> the salt runs deep dude i've i've been extra like because the other day uh what was it when was i texting you yesterday john when i was like i was like fucking these kids up right yes
3: <laughs> like, that was definitely I, yesterday
0: that was yesterday okay like i was i was playing out of my mind jordan like i was playing awesome. like like uh a mechanically inept platinum level player like hey, i was let's fucking down. up these new <laughs> <laughs> but the problem was like i was getting even more salty with my shitty teammates
1: yeah because you you're you know that you're on fire you're working your ass off right but that last little piece that last puzzle piece because you can't do it all yourself failing was it uh was it standard or doubles doubles oh yeah yeah that's that's a hard
0: one so let <laughs> let let me let me break down this one play for you because i mm-hmm. felt the need to break it down for john when i was talking to him about it <laughs> imagine this you're playing twos you're winning three to one there's 30 seconds left you personally have all three of your team's goals you miss a shot to go up 4 one your teammate types my team is butt.
1: Oh. That's... Just, oh, bro. Ungrateful <laughs> son of a bitch.
0: Right? We fucking won four to two and the son of a bitch is like, my teammate sucks, man.
1: Yeah, that's the worst. I love it's and like, hate those interactions.
0: It's like you you little piece of I'm shit, you,
1: No other video game gets me as fucking pissed off as Rocket League does. But with that yang it's the yin of those just fucking dominating wins because nothing feels better than just absolutely fucking crushing those damn noobs oh Jesus.
0: dude I, I was getting some sick aerial dunks and yeah. shit like, oh I god was, i was i was out there doing shit that i have no right or reason to do <laughs> <You're> <laughs> you were it, thrown out felt- let's go I I didn't even throw out the let's goes. I was throwing out
1: get back on defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were in the moment
0: executing. Dude, I forget what I said to somebody. Like I typed out something to them instead of using quick chat. Like I actually typed out something to him. Yeah, um, not toxic. Like telling him like what I was gonna do and like what he should do and blah blah blah. And homeboy was like. No, and he just (laughs) didn't do it like he didn't leave the game he just like he just sat there and literally did nothing he went AFK and watched me play by myself trash and I was was like listen bro I know we're playing cash right now but you need to step up your game or we're gonna lose this bitch we're only up 5 to 1 come on (laughs) (laughs) what a fucking (laughs) idiot
1: we were doing good on the uh, snow break, though. You know,
0: we were, we were. Yeah. Uh, me and John had far less success in that mode. But, so uh, bad,
1: hated everything. It's my least favorite extra mode, to be honest. Like I, yeah. well, no, actually, I think I, I think I like it better than hoops. I think hoops is my least favorite.
0: Dude, there w it got so bad for us at one point that like we played three or four matches with this one guy. Fucking Kevin, man! Like <laughs> back and forth with this fucking Kevin guy. We won one, we lost one. We won one, we lost one. And I got so fucking ripping pissed at Kevin <sighs> at one point that I was just like, "Fuck it!" And I demoed him on purpose and then just left the game. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not playing Kevin no more. <laughs> I not want to play this game anymore." Grandma, you win, you win. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. John stayed in there and kept playing for some reason. And then he started I another game and kept playing without me. And
2: I was like,
0: what the fuck? Dude, and I hope... stick with it.
2: I was trying to get my shit.
1: I hope the uh, next season they uh, they bring out something like... So uh, last summer they had a beach ball mode. And the beach ball mode was so damn awesome. Because it, it's, just, it's just the ball, right? But it looks like a beach ball. But the fun part is it's really lofty and it kind of moves like a beach ball does, right? Like, you know, you can you can punch a beach ball and it just kind of like whoofs and then it slows down, right? Because it's so, yeah. it's, it's not dense at all. And it has curve. So I was, you can fucking hit the beach ball and you can hit it on a certain angle and it'll curve around as it spins in the air and get goals. It is the funnest shit ever. So I really hope that they reintroduce that Like, it'd be it'd be cool if they did some kind of snow variant of it where I know they're doing the the ice puck thing, but hopefully like after the the Frosty Fest, they they bring out a special game mode like that, that or Spike Ball. Spike Ball is always a fucking treat. I can't wait for you guys to play Spike Ball. Spike Ball? Yeah, Spike Ball is a game variant where it is just standard 3v3, but everyone always has spikes. And you can turn your sp- John has ever played
0: Rumble before.
1: Oh, have you not played Rumble, John? What the hell is Rumble? So there are in the uh, you know game select screen. There's the extras mode. There, if you click on extras mode, that's where the original um f- uh, uh, ice w- whatever it is, like the like like the the hockey puck mode. That one's always in there, and you can rank in it. There is hoops. Which is just Rocket League, but you have to get it into hoops, so it's a lot of aerial shit. And then there is uh, Breakout, Breakout, Breakdown. Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. Breakout now. is R. Yeah, it's something. Uh, Break the uh, system. Uh. Fight the power. Row, row, fight the power. Um don't you love that anime drop shot sorry i was way off uh it's called drop shot oh, drop shot's actually a lot of fun when you're at no, when you're good with aerials it, it gets really fun no, um Jesus don't don't Christ. worry i i hated it forever too and then i stopped hating it but anyway the last one is rumble and rumble is standard 3v3 except they give you powers every 10 seconds and the powers include uh plungers that you can bring the ball towards you um extra power to your hits spikes on your car so if the ball touches you it sticks to you for a certain amount of time there's uh like a like a like a spring punch that you could unleash and it punches the ball you could freeze the ball it's it's fucking chaos but it's actually a lot of fun so one specific power from that which is spikes is leveraged and always on in spike ball or spike rush sorry it's called spike rush with a caveat that you can turn off your spikes whenever you want. So you could go up the wall and then fly off the wall and then t- turn your car and turn off the spikes mid roll and you flick the ball into the goal. And it is the most satisfying thing ever. And it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of demos too, because if you touch someone with spikes on, they like Insta demo. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's a blast. Easy. It's a blast. I wish it was a standard mode. I think it's good enough to replace hoops and be a like standard competitive mode that you can rank in. But you know, I like to it's keep better things. than
0: every other extra mode. Dude. Like Rumble is easily the best extra mode. In oh, easily. Vision.
1: I and think like, all the other ones started as experiments. You know, like like, like Spike Rush and the and the Beach Day Ball. They were all experiments that were loved so much that they were brought back into the fold, and they were what? set
2: as standards.
1: Yeah, I've talked a lot, but John, what else have you uh, been doing besides playing Rocket League?
2: Uh, Coach Dean on Demon Souls.
3: Demon
2: Souls! How's it's that a going? a straight up blast. It's freaking hilarious because <laughs> he was getting his ass beat. Whoa. <laughs> whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa! No, I, I definitely was not, dude. <sighs> John. John thinks I was getting my ass beat because, like, he's traumatized from when he went through these as a melee character. But, like, I'm way less gun-shy about shit. I will say that there were a couple of moments where I should the pants a little bit. That's it. Um, but I only died once, I think. Twice. Did I die twice? He did. When did I die twice? I remember
2: the. You got you got your ass ate by the dogs. Yeah, I remember that. And then you got um, you got killed by the trap.
0: By the trap. Oh yeah, the one that you uh, didn't tell me about, and you just first of
2: all, first of all, I said put your shield up, put your shield up, and you had time to roll before you got shot. So go to hell.
0: I mean, instead of saying, put your shield up, you could have been like, hey, dude, there's a trap down that hallway, so um, before you step on that thing that's totally going to get you fucking killed, put your shield up, and then walk onto it. See, that's the thing. That's the
2: gonna thing. At you. That's like, the that would have been I didn't, rem- I didn't remember it until I heard the sound. And once again, I said, put your shield up, put your shield up, and you still had time to roll. So, not my fault. Well. Yeah, because when you
0: told me to put my shield up, I had already started to panic because I hit a trap. <laughs> like, the the thing about Demon Souls is, like, this is the height of FromSoft's, like, fuck you game design, where, like, there there are moments in there where it'll just, they'll just throw shit at you that you have no way of predicting or knowing it's coming, and then you'll just get fucked and you'll get killed. And it's... Frankly, kind of not fun, which is why I like playing through it with uh, a PS5 screen share with John, because he can be like, hey, you're about to get fucked if you turn that corner and you're not ready for it. <laughs> Awesome. Because I still have to fight all the battles and shit for myself, but like, I don't get jumped by this fucking maniac with a hacksaw around the corner, you know, uh, yeah. which totally happens. Um. <laughs> Like, there, there's one where, like, you, there's a bunch of wooden bridges, and you just walk across wooden bridges. Who gives a shit? One of the bridges just collapses if you walk on it. Like, okay, fuck you guys, too, man. <laughs> like the fuck is that? But I'm so sorry. And then this motherfucker starts telling me, like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to cheese this section, and you're just going to, like, glitch roll over this wall. And he's got me trying this for like a half an hour to the point where I'm like, are you fucking with me? Is this a real thing? I'm
3: telling it's you. Like, no, I swear up. to
0: God, this is a real thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, and then he finally died. I was like, oh.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, Demon <laughs> Souls is a lot of fun. I want to get back to that. I want to beat it. Uh, I was looking at it. I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, the trophy list is kind of easy looking.
2: For your playstyle, yeah. It's 100% easy.
0: Like, the hardest part about it, because, like, the first... What is this? 4, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16... 16 trophies are just for beating the game. Then there's two for doing the co-op shit, which... I don't know how hard it would be to vanquish another player as an invader, because I don't know what that entails, but it's probably not that hard since it's a fairly common trophy to be had um and then after that there's a number of trophies for like beating specific bosses in specific ways and those are the ones where i'm like i don't know how hard of that uh because I've, I've never fought these guys but then i'm also sitting here like Ah, uh, if I want these trophies, I'm gonna have to play the game again. Mm.
2: Yeah, the one where you have to get all the spells and all the miracles—you that requires at least two playthroughs. Does it really? Yeah, because uh, miracles and spells—certain miracles and spells can only be bought with demon souls, and you only get that once per playthrough.
0: Oh, because multiple spells require the same. Yep. Oh well, that's cool. Thanks for telling me that. I'm not even gonna bother with these trophies now.
2: No problem. Um,
0: because I'm here uh, for. Like, I'm not playing through this game multiple times. Uh, power picks. There you are. Number of playthroughs. Minimum um, number of playthroughs. Three without save scumming. Two with save scumming. Well, that's still not great. <laughs> like, I only shave off one of the two additional playthroughs if I save scum. Like, uh, that
2: doesn't make sense. If you save scum you should be able to get everything you need you should get like multiples i guess it depends
0: on how it deals with it like i don't know the mechanics of it so i
2: oh the only way that i can think about it is like you can only copy a demon soul twice because the way i'm thinking about it the game inherently knows that you can only get one demon soul per playthrough. So if you have two demon souls on your character, it'll probably crash the game or it won't recognize the second demon soul. I mean, at the same time. I mean, we're talking about save scumming, not dupe. Oh, so what's save scumming? What's the difference?
0: Save scumming is when you like. So, like there say there's a choice that you have to make at a certain point you save make the choice then reload your game and make the opposite oh uh, okay
2: so yeah um
0: i don't know how that would really help you but i don't know what you'd be safe scumming for so i don't know yeah Whatever. i don't point I'm is i'm not about be- that, yeah. i'm not beating the game multiple times so Bitch. um i can Fine. link you to this guy <laughs> if you want to platinum the game but i'm not going to i'm just Please, gonna the game. Oh, okay i oh, will
2: do it demon swole right now i'm gonna buy a komodo and a maverick yeah oh yeah jordan
0: john is going on uh a... we might have to have an intervention like he can't stop spending money in rock
2: no, oh, it's a Komodo and a cyclone. Yeah, that's what I was. Doing. Komodo and a cyclone.
0: Um, like he bought the starter pack the other day. He yeah, he bought the rocket pass. He bought the twenty dollar mm-hmm. starter pack or whatever. Like he, he just can't stop.
2: Oh yeah, I did. Did I tell you I got the Sentinel Dean?
3: Oh fucking Christ!
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> John, um, I'm proud of you. <laughs>
2: Damn it. I mean the Komodo's like only 5 bucks, man. That's what I'm talking about. As he scratches his neck. Ugh. Ooh, Gray's only a dollar more. <laughs> wow. Um okay, so <laughs> moving on.
0: So guys, we watched a movie this week, didn't we?
1: Yes. Yes, we absolutely did.
0: It's a Wonderful Life, directed by Frank Capra, released in 1946 in black and white. I think this is only the second movie that we've watched that was originally in black and white. Is that right?
2: Uh yeah. I mean the first one was by choice. That was the House on the Haunted Hill, right? Yeah, but we watched that by one in choice. We watched that one in
1: color, though, but originally it was filmed in black and white yeah right. uh,
0: this one we watched on purpose I can... exactly yeah so as always i gotta ask you guys what did you think about this? i loved it
1: way darker than i remember so i have seen the movie before and it's actually my wife's one of her favorites um i told her that we watched it and she was mad that i didn't watch it with her so um but uh incredible movie um way darker like i mentioned that i remember great ending um still like the humor from that time in 1946 uh I, i had some chuckles right like it actually made me laugh a number of times you know it was just so well written and so well acted that you know it was really profound
2: great movie would recommend it to anybody what about you john yeah i i liked it as a really long build up but like that's just basically it creating like world building and like the connections between george and the town and why he's so important so like i understand the build up um the payoff was really good at the very end i i, I really i really liked it i really liked it. I'm glad to hear you say that, because the last
0: time that we had a really slow movie to start out, you really didn't, like, it. So I mean, I was a little concerned.
2: Yeah, but, like, that, that's this the thing. was longer, like too. When, when I watch a slow, like, a slow-building mo- movie, like, it, it's more, okay, is the build-up gonna pay off in the end? And, like, I couldn't even guess what was gonna happen in the movie. I was like, oh. I mean, yeah, he's wished himself back to life, but uh, I mean, he still lost $8,000. What the fuck's going to happen? And then that. I've never watched this movie before. I have never read anything about this movie. I just know it's been referenced to death. And this is my first time I've ever watching.
0: I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. This is a very white people movie. So I'm I understand that. Like, you've never seen it. but <laughs> that's,
2: that's a Well, my mom's favorite Christmas movie is um, A Christmas Story. So, ew. What? Excuse is she me. One of those, is she one of those
0: people that watches the marathon every year, like thirty thousand times on Christmas Day?
2: No, are you a fucking idiot? No, we got her an Ultra Blu-ray so she can play it whenever she wants.
0: <laughs> I do. On top of the thirty thousand times. So,
1: I yes. do love the, a Christmas story. That that is a, a favorite of mine. And I, you, back when I did have cable and was at my mom's we would watch it once but then we, w- we wouldn't just keep it on though <laughs> we would watch the movie once and then we would move about our day and actually no, that motherfucker is on repeat all day. i know and so is i believe so t- so is twilight zone or it used to be like twilight zone used to be like there, there was a twilight zone marathon on christmas and my mother and i used to watch that all fucking day long It's one of our favorite shows
2: yeah.
0: yeah i don't i don't know like that was one of those movies where i would put on that all day marathon and ignore it most of the day like while i'm doing other stuff like cooking christmas dinner or whatever yeah
1: yeah definitely
0: so i would only watch it once but like across the 30 showings that they have <laughs> during the
3: day.
1: if i have to hear you'll shoot an eye out kid one more time i swear to god <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then he shot his eye out. But this isn't that movie. This is a totally different, very movie. different,
1: actually. So okay, go ahead and continue. Go, go ahead and continue.
0: So I was going to say at the top of the show, I said that this is possibly the greatest Christmas movie ever made, and I do believe that. But it's worth noting that this movie was a huge bomb at the box office. It did terrible, uh, to the point where. Um, studio heads were really wondering if Frank Capra lost his touch and couldn't make a a big budget movie. Really? Uh, this movie cost about three million dollars to make and needed to hit about six million dollars to recoup its budget and break even and it only made um, a little bit more than three million like three point three million dollars that box office, it was a huge failure, and only years later did it become a cult classic. Well, I mean, it's definitely not a cult classic anymore, but it kind of built up steam after it left the theaters, and now it's just a uh, straight up
1: to the point where it's
0: often on lists of greatest films of all time. That's pretty
1: awesome, well, and correct me if i'm wrong but this was never meant to be a christmas movie it's just they used christmas time to as a yeah like as a a plot device you know but like it's not a christmas movie um i don't think i don't think he intended it to be like
0: yeah like the plot of the movie isn't really about Christmas. yeah Uh, the turn of the flick happens on Christmas Eve, but the I I guess the most Christmas thing about it, other than the the turn being on Christmas Eve, is how overtly religious the entire thing mm-hmm. is. Uh, but yeah, I would agree. Like I don't think that it's necessarily a Christmas movie. Um although I will say that um to kind of expound on what I was saying before this movie gained popularity as a christmas movie once it fell into the public domain and it could be broadcast without like licensing fees and stuff so um television channels and such just started blasting it out there all the time for sure which is interesting because jordan you were telling me uh that public domain Usually lasts for about like 95 years or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which this movie is still short of, but it's already in the public domain.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, maybe that's music that I was thinking of. I don't know. Um, but I thought it was. No, no, I looked it up.
0: You were right. You're 100% right.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why this one is already in public domain, but good thing it is it's a great movie it should be shared amongst everybody it's got a great message to it it is a little bit too religious for today's audience for generally for today's audience not not that there isn't religious moviegoers out there of course there are but um most movies wouldn't be this blatantly religious christian right right here's a
0: fun fact this movie has a sequel really yeah, May- nineteen ninety made for television film Clarence, all about the guardian angel Clarence. Yeah.
1: When when did that come out?
0: Nineteen
1: ninety. Nineteen ninety. Yes, sir. Did any was there any returning actors or anything? I definitely <laughs> not Clarence. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking. Dark. At-
0: i'm looking at it now it doesn't look like it but it's so the sequel is essentially the same plot but with different characters so the character of clarence is played by somebody else who's much younger than clarence in the 1946 version which is interesting but
2: aged him with movie magic
0: (laughs) he's like way younger but that's regardless of that it Circles around totally different characters after that point, so it doesn't look like Buddy
1: was it. Was it um, Clarence after he got his wings or before? After. Ah, so he was. What would he would have been. Uh, A F C. No, <clears throat> what was his acronym for their class system they had for angels?
0: A A. Oh wait, A.
1: He was angel second class yeah A two C was it? A two C? That's uh, I was gonna say that. Yeah, so he was be right. A two C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he he abbreviated it for and gave an acronym, which I thought was weird, but yeah, he was A two C. So then in this in the nineties movie, he would have been A one C. Right. That's yeah, highest. That's so. the highest class. Just... Unless unless Ooh. it goes the other way.
0: Gonna stop. Because we don't we don't know that it's not like angel first class, second class, then third class, then third class highest. I don't
1: think. So. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I but then it's like right, but... first class, the highest, and like what's like archangels? Are those like zeros? Is it go, like is it gonna go into like double zero class? Start scaling like in like uh like like Hakusho did. It's like everyone you face now is has been D class. It's like now we're gonna start getting into some Bs, As, and Ss. Oh wait, you fought some Ss. There's double S.
0: Here's another fun fact for you yes there was purportedly a totally different sequel in production uh set to be released in 2015 called it's a wonderful life the rest of the story says here it was to follow the angel of george bailey's daughter zuzu played by the same actress who played her in the original film as she teaches bailey's evil grandson how different the world would have been if he had never been born. So the same plot again, but uh, following the family years later. Huh. But apparently that got shut down. Why? Um. So it says that Paramount, a Paramount spokesperson claimed that they were not granting permission to make the film that they had not obtained the necessary rights and would take all appropriate steps to protect those rights. Which is interesting since the movie's in public domain, but nevertheless, that that is the story of the actual sequel and the purported sequel that never was.
2: Oh, okay. I mean, it's, it seems like after this game garnered a huge following that, of course, they try to make sequels to make bank off. It's just interesting, like, the way that they went about it and the fact that they just literally rehashed the same story, which never works out for a sequel. Never.
1: It's a good story, though. You know, it's like, a it's It's a perfect
2: story, Jordan.
1: It's oh. A... <laughs> oh, God, all right. <laughs> the way it was told in this movie, it was... Like, this movie has one of the most believable in engaging character developments that I've seen in a movie. And that is George Bailey's from from just being a kid, seeing his experiences as a kid, seeing how he grew up, his personality, all the way up until the end of the movie. Right. That arc, his character development there is so believable. You really understand why he why he is the way he is, why he why he's so distraught. You know, and you just get this connection with him at, at a level that I really don't have with most modern movies, right? Like, it takes me an anime of, like, 26 episodes to get to that level of, of attachment, and this movie did it in less than two hours for George Bailey. It did an incredible job with that with that story.
0: It's interesting because when you think about it, most of the movie is... The story of George's life, and nothing really happens. Like, th- you see all the things that kind of lead him to the. So, let's back up for a second. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the movie, we see two galaxies who were calling angels for some reason, uh, talking to each other. <laughs> and they're talking about this guy, George Bailey, who is going to commit suicide and they've described it in, in an interesting way too they say something to the effect of um he's going to throw away god's greatest gift which right away is an not only an interesting way to say that without saying it but also really sets the tone for how religious this movie is oh yeah um but the crux of the film is this angel first class telling this lowly (sighs) angel who doesn't have his wings yet, Clarence, the story of George Bailey so he understands who he is before he goes down there and tries to convince him not to. And so we see him like as a, a little kid. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I think the first thing that we see is him, his friends, and his little brother riding shovels down a snow hill Mm -hmm. onto a frozen over lake. And his brother falls through some thin ice into a raging torrent of a river in the middle of this lake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Somehow. And so George jumps in to save him, which, from which he catches a cold, which infects his ear, And then he loses all his hearing in that. Yeah. Yep. And right away, like this is it's interesting to watch now. uh, What? 80 some years on where like this isn't even something we consider as like a possibility. It, It sounds like a fairy tale. It's so far fetched today. But the movie take at that point takes place in. What is it, Jordan? 1918? yes and they haven't found penicillin yet which you also pointed out very astutely uh that i hadn't considered but that's exactly right like they hadn't discovered penicillin yet so there's no nothing they could do about it. it's just tough shit you got an infection in your ear now you're now you're deaf
3: yep
1: yeah which is wild right because you know, I'm sure all of us have had ear infections. We've never thought that we would lose our hearing, nah, you bro. know, I have,
0: I have problems with, there's something about the structure of my ear canal where like when I go swimming shit, water gets trapped in there. So I have chronic ear infection.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, mm.
0: To the point where like the last time I went to a doctor, I, I was seeing a, a new doctor because we moved and they, they did a little thing where they look in your ear or whatever and uh he was like oh you had a lot of ear infections when you were a kid i was like how do you know that?" He's like oh you have a shitload of scarring on the inside of your ear from all the infections wow
3: um
1: did you ever have tubes when you were a kid Tubes? yeah like tubes put in your ears
0: no i don't think
1: oh well it's very common that they'll put because like kids, you know, get a lot of ear infections. Like I had them when I was younger. So, so did so did uh, Lauren. But you just like they're just these two, so they put in the ear to help it drain better.
3: Huh.
0: Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever had that. Um, really. But, but then again, like it could be something that I had and I just don't remember. My my memory is yeah. pretty shitty. I uh, mean, I
1: had a lot of head colds when I was a kid. And like to the point to where I got my tonsils taken out when I was five because they kept on getting infected. I'm one of those guys. I've never known a life with tonsils. I
0: never had my tonsils. Out, I still have my tonsils. Are they fun? Do you feel them? (laughs) Are they fun? Every day, Jordan. I just sit there and play with my tonsils. Can you actually touch them with your tongue? Sitting there is like, oh, thank God for my tonsils. No, but I can feel them with the back of my tongue. Oh, that's mm. so weird.
1: I've, I've never had... known what that felt like. I like that shit. You, my mouth Did you have is... your
0: tonsils out too, John?
1: No. Oh, okay. Bunch of clogged, mouthed sons <laughs> of bitches.
2: Yeah, I
3: really? mean, My mouth.
1: <clears throat> my mouth is free. That lets me eat better,
2: less obstruction. And yet you still be clearing your throat every 30 seconds. Yeah, Yo, sure dude! I <laughs> actually think that it... I think it's <laughs> part of it. I know, I just fucking did it.
1: I think that's I really oh, do fuck. think that's part of it. I've always just had this like I've just constantly clearing my throat because it's just so mucusy usually. It's just you don't need to know about that, but it's kinda gross. Oh
2: man, that's this is what it yeah, is. I've never to be dude, I'm gonna be, ter- dude, I'm, gonna
1: be I'm gonna be a terrible old man, dude. If I have these types of mouth noises now and I'm fucking thirty, can you imagine when I'm like sixty? You're
2: gonna sound like a goddamn I'm goddamn tur- turkey.
1: Dude, Your I'm gonna talk like job of the you. hut.
0: In in your sleep one night, dude. Dude, she be like really 70 is. 70 years old, and she's yeah. <sighs> yeah, like I don't I do that's enough.
2: Stab. You got snore now. I'm done. Slit his throat, yeah. pull his tongue out through it. <sighs> Excellent. I don't know just what so happened, quiet.
0: officer. I woke up and he was just bleeding everywhere. My god. Ma'am, you're still holding the knife.
3: No, I found it like Shut this. Should have bitched. She stabbed the cop? Jesus. <laughs> Ruthless. Uh, <laughs>
0: but yeah, no. I I do remember one time I had an ear infection. It was so bad that like I so I was a, a latchkey kid. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I would go swimming after school or whatever and
1: What is it, what's a latchkey? What do you mean?
0: It it means like your parents had to work, so when you got off of school, you just let yourself in the house and all by yourself.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, I actually don't know where that term comes from now that I about it, but I have never heard it. But I suppose I'm a latchkey kid too, because my mom was a, raised me by herself. So,
0: I imagine a lot of people are age are. Um, it's an old term that doesn't really matter. It's latch not really relevant kid. anymore because, like, it's probably so common that it's less of a descriptor and more of like a the way it is. But anyway um there, i had an ear infection one day and it got super bad um to the point where like i called up my mom and i was like you need to take me to the doctor and blah, blah 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 she's like i can't leave i'll take you when i get home by the time she got home i was just like screaming in pain um to the point where like she was she drove me to the doctor where i'm just like wailing the whole time people are looking at me in the lobby like oh jeez." the fuck did she do to him? <laughs> Um, So, yeah, like, I remember that, but I don't remember ever having tubes in my
1: ears. I, I imagine if it's as common
0: as you're saying, I probably. And
1: that's an old solution. I mean, they still do it. You know, it's it's been around for quite some time. I don't remember like them actually putting the tubes in my ears because I was less than five. But, sure. you know, for, you know, for really young kids that have trouble with, uh, you know, draining and stuff, because. When you're less than five, you're not going to stop and go, my ear feels a little full. I should probably tell my mother about this and properly drain it. No, you're just going to keep running around like a damn animal in the yeah. mud and not even think <laughs> about it, you know? Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so,
0: George loses his hearing. This is the first of many awful things that happens to George. I mean,
2: awful? Are going to say awful? I like, guess mildly yes, inconvenienced. Right. What the f-
1: <laughs> he's like Joey. he just had a bad run of things you know they weren't that bad Smiley yeah he just had a bad run in
0: front of things he he ended up deaf in one ear got beaten
2: by uh, the druggist downtown oh yeah uh, oh god and he's like you slapped me in my sore ear and like i noticed so i was like oh that shit's bleeding all right
3: then yep.
0: Uh, he had to give up on his dreams of going to college, gave the money to his brother and watched him become successful and yep. find a In alive. every way,
2: shape, and form.
0: His father had a stroke and died. Um, he had to take over the his father's position at the local building and loan, even though he Under,
2: that place. Yep, on top of the fact that the guy that's been foaming at the mouth to close that motherfucker down he hates with the almighty passion mr potter he hates <sighs> the baileys
0: oh man mr potter i can't wait to talk about potter um then uh he's stuck at home during ww2 because he can't do shit
2: yep
1: oh you forgot even b- before that what i forget um he 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 got the girl that's a, i want to say that's the only good thing that's happened to him is he got the girl and the actually the girl and the town are the best thing that ever happened to him because his honeymoon, the town gave him a honeymoon because he gave up that honeymoon money uh, right at the be, right at the dawn of the Great Depression. When everyone was trying to pull their money out of his bank or his right. loan company, uh, he had to give up all of his honeymoon money back to the back to the town. He kept that business afloat through his own personal sacrifice. And he got a very modest honeymoon, out of it, out of a ramshackle, drafty old house. Yeah. Um. Yes, and then 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 stayed home during the during World War II, while his brother went off and was awarded all these war medal
2: of honor things like that. He he was an ace pilot. Fifteen planes, two of which were gonna crash into a transport. Got him. Yep, dude. His brother was a freaking
1: superhero. His brother was a superhero, man. He really was. And he was his brother was living the life that George always wanted to live. But, you know, a credit to George's character, he never really in this movie showed resentment towards his brother. He just showed regret towards his decisions or he he lamented his inaction. Yeah, Um, especially when he missed out on the deal to get into plastics, his best friend. Offered him that deal to get into a plastics factory, and then he saw his friend later in life, and he's just swimming in money, right? Yep. Swimming in money. It's
0: it's funny because I was gonna say I think that that's the one moment in this movie before the end, of course, mm-hmm. where he outwardly shows his frustration with this situation. Yeah, because he the plastics had... factory, right? When yeah, when uh Sam is talking about how he. Uh, offered to let him in on the ground floor, and he turned down. And now he's swimming in money, and he's still grinding away at day and night at the building and loan. Um, and then when Sam drives away, he like kicks the car
2: in frustration. And, yeah, he's always seemed to have a very sunny disposition, no matter what's happened to him.
0: Yeah, and I actually brought it up while we were watching the movie. Um, and Jordan kind of asked me what I meant by that, so I guess I'll expound on it here. There's this little, like, game of chance that the um, that the druggist has in the drug store.
1: Uh, <laughs> apothecary? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Is it? I, yes. I, I don't know.
0: Whatever. Uh, we're just going to call it a drugstore. Um but
1: Mr. Gower has this. No, apothecary is a person. My bad. But it is, it is. It, it, there is a specific term for it. Okay,
0: so the drugstore, um, where <laughs> basically you pull this handle and either the lighter that's at the <clears throat> end of it lights or it doesn't. And so we see twice, three times, two or three times that George will pull this and make like an outstanding wish, like I wish I had a million dollars, but whatever. Um, and it lights and he's. He's overjoyed and he's in high spirits and this and that. And my comment was like, that's a great little piece of subtle storytelling because it not only shows you George's genu- general <clears throat> positive disposition, but also you learn so much about this item and by extension, kind of about the um, the way that things are in this town and Mr. Gower. That he has this uh little game thing in his drugstore and like all these things just from this little interaction from this game of chance that he happens to have that the movie never explains to you at all. It just shows it to you and lets you infer all those things by yourself.
1: Yeah. It was really cool. There's a lot of those subtle things in the movie. A yeah. lot of those uh Metaphors, it, the the movie is caked with them, and that yeah. really draws you in.
0: It's 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 nice to watch a movie that doesn't treat you like an idiot. It lets you watch it and <clears> understand <throat> it all by itself.
1: Yeah. there's definitely a different experience when you're just watching it haphazardly, and when you're really consuming it. You know, right? There's definitely a different because I I want to say this is the this is the first time I've really actually paid attention and watched the movie. And previously it was just like on at a family, mem- family member's house. And I just kind of watched it and you know, Oh, every time a bell rings, that's cute. Movie's over. Let's go pound some eggnog dudes that I mentioned. I was in a frat house. No, I'm kidding. So, um, having the opportunity to really sit down in a vacuum, watch it, understand, um, think, uh, Frank Capra's vision and, uh, direction in the movie was fantastic. I got a lot out of it. I really did. I loved this movie.
0: Yeah. This is a movie that I play for the family every single year at Christmas time, uh, usually on Christmas Eve, but, um, like this year, or a little bit earlier, but nevertheless, um, I make an absolute point of watching this movie every year. And part of that is what you were talking about. Like you can watch this on a really superficial level, and it's still this nice little Christmas movie, or you can really watch it and absorb the information that's in it and get something really profound out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, down to the the last little quote. In the adventure of Tom Sawyer that Clarence writes to George, it's kind of kitschy, to be honest. But in the context of the movie, it's it's kind of moving, you know, like you spend two hours over two hours with George Bailey and you see his descent into despair and watch him get pulled back out of it by everybody around him that cares for him and I might butcher this quote but it says something to the effect of uh, no man is a failure who has friends mm-hmm. which you know is it's, it's a life lesson that you can really take away
1: from. and one day I'll get there
0: Yeah, uh, (laughs) good luck with that. I don't know where you're going to find anybody who will (laughs) bail you out, but I mean, I believe
2: it. So sorry.
1: They have have Tinder for friends? Uh, no. Ew, what the? No!
0: (laughs) Swipe right if you like Star Wars.
1: (laughs) Hey, guys. Just a dude hanging out. I love my Xbox. I love Halo. Love Mountain Dew. Love Star Wars and other things. Hit me up if you wanna chill. BY. No
0: Doritos! Swipe left.
2: (laughs) Nope. Sorry. Ooh, I'm I'm fiending for some spicy hot Doritos now. Jesus, yes.
0: Yo, those spicy nacho Doritos are banging. They are amazing. They're
2: one of the best for sure.
0: So. After all of that, the real turn of this movie for George happens when good old Uncle Uncle Billy Billy. accidentally gives the bank deposit to Potter, who straight up steals it and then laughs maniacally in his dungeon of an office, complete with shrunken skull on desk.
1: A weird ass paperweight
0: yeah (laughs) is it a paperweight is that what that thing's supposed to be
1: that was my assumption because it looked like a metal paperweight Mm -hmm. regardless I want one (laughs) um
0: and not only tells him to fuck off when he comes crawling to him for help to save him in his time of need but actively
1: calls the police on him to have him arrested Oh, dude, just drills him, drills him in his office, giving giving him that false hope. And then he's like, and I'll call him. I'll tell them. Just like, you know, you knew he was waiting decades for that.
2: If if
0: Potter could still walk, I feel like he would have walked over there, unzipped his pants and cock slapped him right in the face.
1: Yeah, he metaphorically put
2: his balls on that table. Oh, Jesus Christ. That is a horrifying scene. It really is.
0: Meanwhile, he's got George's nuts in a vice grip like it's Friday after next. And
1: And, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there are so many moments and there's so many lines in this movie that promote and exemplify George as a character and as a person mm. one of them i think outshines the rest for me it's that he knew billy messed up he was so mad at billy choking him he was yelling at him billy was absolutely disheveled he was a, a disaster of a man because he knew <clears throat> the the gravity of the mistake that he made losing that money right right but still when george confronted potter Hat in hand, tail between his legs. He did not blame his uncle. He said, I lost money. He took full blame for it.
3: Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mr. Potter was eating that shit up. The worst part is, Mr. Potter never got his comeuppance throughout this whole movie.
1: I think that's a lesson in its own, though.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Because I feel like a modern movie would make it too easy. A modern movie, Clarence would give him the $8,000 back. A modern movie, Potter would be put to jail for tax evasion or something stupid.
2: You oh, know? No. no, a modern movie would have them find out that Potter was the one that has the $8,000 and then he'd be taken there you to go. Jail for
1: it. Yeah, there was a video camera or his assistant came and told the police or something, right?
3: Right.
1: But this movie showed how important it was to be that, you know, to be that pillar regardless of anything else. Right. It showed George Bailey sacrificing everything for his, uh, for his moral character, even though he was consistently getting nothing in return. Yeah. Nothing in return whatsoever. And this movie didn't give him easy wins. They were hard fought wins but the wins that he got were from his sacrifices. Two times the town came to his need, because they knew how important he was to them. Even freaking his maid or his mother's maid, um, who we can oh, talk about that as well. And is
0: a fucking pistol, man. And
1: even even her bringing that money in, she was like, "I was saving this money for uh for when I got married, so I could have money for a divorce or something like that." I'm like, "You're <laughs> fucking hilarious." <laughs> but you know um this movie more than a lot of other movies that I've seen shows that hey that struggle is worth it it's there's value in being a good person even when no one is watching and i think that's that's one of the largest things that i took away from the movie you know that was the largest lesson that 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 i took from it
0: i mean i would say to kind of expound on that a bit i think larger lesson for me in this movie is that life sucks and you're going to take a lot of L's and to be a truly good person you have to just hold that L sometimes and do the right thing anyway because in the end it's worth even if in the moment in the year in the decade you just feels like everything's crumbling in on you all the time and you're just getting kicked in the nuts over and over and over and over again you're working for a greater good
2: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that's exactly what like just be the best person that you can and hopefully life will turn around and reward you for your best efforts may not but it's better than being an asshole to everybody just because life kicked you down
1: And George wasn't rewarded with an equivalent exchange. You know, not even close. Nowhere near. Uh, 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 You know, freaking Ed and Alphonse would be out of their minds right now. This was not an equivalent exchange.
0: (laughs) That's that's kind of a deep cut now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they would be losing it. He put in way more. He took way more L's, at least as shown in the movie, of course. He yeah. took way more L's than he did W's. You know, he was a he was a Dolphins fan, and
0: dude, he's a Browns fan. He's
1: a Brown. I don't know. Browns are <laughs> actually turn, kind of turning the tables now, but oh yeah, after fifty years, they got a couple of W's. Oh, we got Good for them. we're
3: getting back. Get him.
1: Yeah, but it it is just it shows strength of character. It shows it shows. Who you aspire to be, right? And and you and uh you and Endless Fable brought this up a couple times. Um, you know, like that's the father figure you want to be, right? Like that's who you aspire to be. Yeah. That 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 pillar, right? That's the person, right? Like yeah. Beyond
0: his stature as like a great husband or father, he's just that idyllic, perfect selfless human being but like in reality i mean it's a movie right so in reality most people at some point are gonna be like fuck this i'm gonna get myself a w i'm gonna take potter's offer i'm gonna succumb i'm gonna get my money and then i can be a good person again like like when when potter gives him that job offer i feel like most people would take him up on that. oh Oh, one
2: hundred percent, without question. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like they know it's not the the morally right thing to do, but like at some point, you just gotta take a little victory lap for yourself. And George Bailey is that guy who stands by his his moral code and yeah, never gives in to Potter, even though you in that exchange he really wants to he really wants to and he's like oh i'm going to talk to mary about it and, no i can't do this i have to be the better man i have to protect bedford falls from you mm-hmm. but he re- he got real close man
3: yeah super it, close
1: we see that temptation everywhere i mean companies nowadays are joining they're merging at, a, a, at an increasingly rapid pace. It feels like the the new American business model is build a product that garners a modern amount of success, sell it off to a larger company, and then just walk away with that golden umbrella. You know? Yeah. And it's not, you know, that's part of those acquisitions and that consolidation of wealth and power is, you know, part of the reason that we're in the economic state we are today but this shines a light on no there is pride in hanging your hat on a business that is your own and focusing on community first because bailey george bailey built those homes those suburbs you know he funded that well wow. that th- that was all him and you can see when he was never born guess what happened they changed the whole damn name of the town to pottersville And you don't see him at all, which I thought was a really – which is a a really surprising choice because they they easily could have shown Potter in this new world once Clarence takes him back and shows him what it was like if he was never born. They could have shown Potter, you know, on his throne, Scrooge McDuckin jumping into a pool of money or something, but they didn't. The only – part of that of that uh scene or that that arc was just the the name of the town i think that speaks in volumes to the the influence that he would have had had george bailey never been born right the identity yeah. of the town itself
2: was fundamentally changed without george bailey's influence this is pretty huge i'd be feeling myself after such a realization
1: it's monumental dude if you ever see a town named blakesville don't move there That's mine. <laughs> i mean it's
0: it's another one of those things too right
1: oh they couldn't help themselves you, you knew they'd be storyboarding oh oh man what if we show potter and he has all this money and he's oh uh, what if we show potter and mary's employed by him and he's treating her badly and he fires her on Christmas Eve, oh man, let's, you know, let's just turn him into Ebenezer, just which in this movie, on
2: him, yeah.
1: in this movie, he was essentially Ebenezer, he was kind of a parallel, but I mean, he
0: had Potter, no... Potter in this movie, to me at least, is a representation of the snake in the apple tree.
2: I get what you're saying. Yeah,
1: being that he, I mean, he's the only evil, well, let me think about that.
2: Not the only evil, but he's definitely the greatest evil. And top of I wouldn't uh, even call him evil. Though. He's like, just he's, he's tailoring to your base desires to like you know be rich at the cost oh, wait. Of, at the Hold on. of everyone else.
1: I have a thought experiment. We oh, usually okay. do this. We usually do this with monsters. Let's bring out the alignment chart.
3: Where on Jesus the alignment Christ. Where
1: on the alignment chart is Potter? <laughs> um, I think I'll go first. I think he's lawful evil. You think he's lawful evil? Yes. Mm, No. I feel like he's neutral evil. Let me send you a description for lawful evil in the chat. I think it exemplifies him perfectly. Or I'll just say it. A lawful evil yeah. character is an evil character who either tries to impose or uphold a lawful system on others without regard for their wishes and or adheres to a particular code. They believe in order, but mostly because they believe it is the best way of realizing their evil wishes.
2: I mean, I don't think he has evil wishes. I think he's just a greedy bastard. That's,
0: that's my point. It's like, I don't think that he's actually evil. In fact, there are multiple points in this movie where he's right. Like He's just straight up right. It yeah. may not be
2: the what morally you want
0: right thing, but he's logically
2: correct. He's uh, pragmatic. Yeah. So, That's... what do you think he would be? He's not uh... true neutral. That's why I say he's neutral evil. Because even though he's pragmatic, he doesn't weigh in the. What's the? Do you have a little definition
0: for all the different things, Jordan? Yeah. Um.
1: Maybe? I mean. I... I put in the only other one that I think he may be, which is chaotic neutral.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. A chaotic neutral character is an individualist who follows their own heart and generally shirks rules and tradition. Although chaotic neutral characters promote their ideals of freedom, it is their own freedom that comes first. Good and evil come second to their need to be
2: free. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that like, if you switch out free with money, totally him if you switch out free with success,
1: right? Like if you define freedom as financial success, then sure. But I think yeah. it's, I, it's a, a, definitely a toss up between both of those. It's just how you interpret his character. If he's, if he's purposely being malicious, which I think he is because, you know, he stole the money. He's specifically, really. well, that, he, that's, he, that's without doubt. evil. Like that is something that he did. That yeah. Like that's, yeah, like he had no. I feel like a chaotic neutral character wouldn't steal the money and then le- and then leverage the knowledge of the uh, gap in um and in, in that deposit funds to specifically target George Bailey like he did.
2: No, I think it was more of an opportunistic thing because he didn't. He stole it after he realized the money was in the newspaper. It was more Uncle Billy's, like, you know, talk. Mm. Like, it was Uncle Billy, like, talking shit and took his newspapers, like, oh, look at my nephew, blah, blah, blah. You can't keep the Bailey boys down. Like, if Uncle Billy didn't (laughs) do that and basically, like, like straight rubbing his dick in his face about how good (laughs) the Bailey boys are doing, he never would have got that money. Now, after he found that he had $8,000, no offense, there are a lot of people here who would not say shit. It's like, oh, it's $8,000. Yeah. Here, when so,
0: so here's a, a brief description of neutral evil that I found. And I think mm-hmm. this is absolutely who Potter is. It says, doing whatever they want if they can get away with it. Like, that's absolutely Potter. He, he'll do whatever the fuck he wants, which is usually what gets him more money, mm-hmm. as long as he can get away with it as shown by the fact that he just steals $8,000 out from under him to get what he wants, because he could get away with
2: it. Yeah, like, I mean, if no offense, like, I'd be hard-pressed hard, hard pressed depending on, like, what position I'm in if $8,000 literally just fell in my lap on top of it came from a person who was talking shit less than two seconds ago. I might pocket it. I might just have to pocket it. Neutral evil, That's that's a... Uh...
1: That's a good choice, too. I didn't consider I mean, neutral evil. What I've been evil... saying from
2: the
0: beginning? From, from okay, the beginning? Okay, so this is the more flesh-out one that Jordan provided.
1: Neutral evil is the philosophy that
0: the self is best advanced by using whatever means necessary. It is a philosophy of egoistic... Good God. Consequentialism. The philosophy <laughs> holds that people should behave egoistic egoistically, and embrace any social order that allows them to gain the most power. Yeah, that sounds like him to me. I would 100%. say percent neutral evil, then.
2: John wins. Yeah, I think I agree with neutral evil. Damn right, John wins. I'm gonna go with uh, chaotic
0: evil, just so John loses. <laughs> Cha- a- chaotic
1: evil would be him just
2: murdering him in the office. <laughs> just Just that slitting... Slitting Uncle Billy's throat. It's like, oh, come in my office. <sighs> Bailey boys ain't doing so good now, are they? <laughs> no, no. Chaotic evil
0: is stealing the money. Then when George comes, then slitting George's throat. Jesus Christ! And then he kills his uh, his assistant just for shits and giggles. <laughs> dude,
3: I, I the love fact that infographs. he makes
2: so much, the fact that he makes so much bank that he has some dude pushing him around. Like we all know he can walk. He just doesn't want to.
1: <laughs> I mean, the D&D alignment chart is as far as far from perfect and it just overgeneralizes humans, which is impossible. it's impossible. Like the, the second you start generalizing that kind of stuff, you're going to find caveats and you're going to find a lot of gray area. But it's fun. It's a fun thought experiment. Sure. So it's that time of the
0: show, as we do, where I must ask you, gentlemen, what
2: was your favorite part, John? Um damn, put me on the spot, Jordan. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Honestly, my favorite part was when he gets berated by the uh druggist um and like being like beaten the crap out of, like screaming, you're like slapping my sore ear while Mary is in in there eating ice cream and hearing all this and just stood frozen and the druggist is drunk after uh getting a letter that his son died of pneumonia uh pneumonia or influenza influenza Influenza. This is a merciless letter yeah and then george is the one who saw it and then he finally blurts out i was like i know what you did i know you're sad so you didn't pay attention i'm not gonna have you kill somebody it was poison i tell you poison yeah. but i'm not gonna tell a soul and that that is like probably the embodiment of george's true character throughout the whole movie until like the end where like life totally craps on him um that he will take everything upon himself to make sure that everybody else has a wonderful life everybody else is happy and he'll take on that burden for them, even without their knowledge. Like, honestly, if the druggist didn't beat the shit out of him, he probably would have never told them. The only reason the druggist, uh, the only reason the druggist came at him like that is because uh, the woman who was expecting the drugs hadn't gotten him yet. But, like, and then on top of that, he still didn't tell anybody. After he got beaten the crap out of, ear was bleeding, he still respects that guy's reputation in the town and knows how much that means to him on top of being so compassionate to his situation at the time that he would hold that secret that would literally have ruined his life.
1: And I, I think that's a great analysis and you're right. He literally taken hits for people, right? Yeah. Multiple (laughs) hits. Um, And you see the impact that that decision made. And once again, Silently doing the right thing with no—he got nothing out of that. He got absolutely—he I mean, no- got a
2: fancy ass suitcase, you know. L- later cool.
1: in life, yes,
2: he—he he, was—he was gifted <laughs> that that baller suitcase
1: that was embroidered yeah. with his name. um Hot dog! But <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: That's what he says. Hot.
1: Oh dog. yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But. You know, there there was no direct benefit. He just knew it was the right thing to do. And you, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right, John. That speaks to his character so much. And we see what happens if he wasn't there, right? Because Mr. Gowan is a drunk bum who... Went to jail went, for 20 years. Absolutely. Yeah, for for when, poisoning. When he was already old as dirt. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah the impact of that is, is, is huge. Monu- monumental. Um, my favorite line in the movie, I can give you a favorite line. And then I don't, really, I can't point to a scene, but I, maybe I can, but my favorite line in the movie, let me get, let me get my notes. Hold on. QN book pages being flipped and monologue of me searching <laughs> through a library or montage, not monologue. Um, <laughs> Okay, let me see here. Even Rocky had a montage. Montage.
3: Montage. Rocky had a montage. Montage.
1: Um, I I love the end of the movie uh, when he's on the bridge and Clarence jumps in and George sees him there without thinking. Immediately throws down his jacket, dives in, saves Clarence, and they talk. And the. I don't know what I don't know where they were after that, right? But I love I, I loved that scene mostly because I loved the line um, Clarence says he's like I uh, he asked him why he jumped in he's like oh I jumped in to save you and that and of course George is like no you didn't I jumped in to save you more or less right love that line uh, that's also when he dropped the angel second class and the guy in the background as he's hearing this conversation about angels he's getting more and more freaked out. He keeps trying to spit his chew, but he has to swallow it back every time because he just gets shocked by something Clarence has to say. And eventually, he just like, "Fuck this shit, I'm out," and he just runs out the place <laughs> uh, because Clarence is just talking like a madman. But uh, and he, Clarence keeps on bringing up the fact that he doesn't have wings. Uh, George keeps asking, "Where are your wings? Where are your wings?" He's like, I don't have any wings yet, and that's why I'm here. I'm, you're you're gonna give me my wings. Uh, I. I just love that scene. And then of course the subsequent um dream sequence, flashback, alternate reality thing that Clarence does, not super defined as to what exactly it is, but that whole entire part of the movie, uh, that arc is is just wonderful.
2: Fantastic. Oh my god, can we talk about how like the whole town basically became into like a red light district? Seriously, Nix? Nick's pub, right, was (laughs) popping, dude.
1: Oh, the funniest freaking, the funniest line the whole movie was at Nick's because they were, they were shitting all over Clarence and George at the bar, right. Nick was getting pissed off because Clarence wanted to order this two hundred year old drink, and, um, they were talking about angels and you, and he was just annoying the piss out of him. Mister Gowan came in after they were already arguing, and after they kicked everybody out, (laughs) the thing that made me laugh the most was. Nick kept on opening up his register and closing it, and it was dinging every time. He's like, look, guys, I'm handing out wings! And he just keeps on dinging it over and over again. (laughs) I was like, you son of a bitch. That was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) What What an asshole. I love how Nick's like, I don't need anybody coming in here adding atmosphere to the joint. (laughs) (laughs) Classing up the place. What about you, Dean? we We sell hard liquor
2: here to get people drunk fast, yes. right? yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's my type of bartender,
0: <laughs> so for me, my favorite part about this movie is definitely the end, uh, just because. That payoff after the absolute roller coaster that you go on through the rest of this movie is so so heart wrenching. Like it fuck I get choked up every fucking time. Years on, like I said, I watch this movie every single year. I've seen it a fucking unfathomable amount of time. And every time it gets it gets me right here. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Um right in the dick. Right in the balls. <laughs> Actually, it's more like in the taint, if I'm being oh, honest. Jesus Christ.
3: It's a hard to reach area, in too. the
2: grundle? Yeah. Right, <laughs> right in the grundle. The crevices. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, I mean, just like, like we were talking about earlier, George Bailey is that kind of, that guy that you want to be. And watching him go through all this shit and be this close to throwing it all away.
2: After being and, such a good person,
3: right?
0: Right. His whole and life. Not knowing all this good that he's fostered and this love that he has around him and being shown in the most dramatic way possible by people. By people that he wouldn't even have ever even considered, like Sam, who sends him uh, a telegram saying, you know, we can send you, what was what it, like $25,000 $25, or something 000, like that? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is, Which an, is extro- an obscene r- amount of money in that time $25,000. Inflation, in 1946. 19... <laughs> uh, is roughly $308,000 today.
1: Oh, is that all? That's a lot of money for just, yeah. oh here, here's some pick me up money.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like No, not that, even that. He was told to send him that much. Right.
0: By by his company. Like by people that presumably he doesn't even know. Yeah. Um it it's just such a powerful scene. Like every single person in town is coming in and dropping money. Like he doesn't even need the money anymore, and they're just throwing it at him. Uh, it really really touching. Yeah.
1: It is. <clears throat> it's definitely an incredible movie. Um really strong message, a selfless message. Cause like we talked earlier in the episode, a lesser movie would have just given George everything, right? This movie didn't give him anything. It gave him a new perspective. But ultimately, everything he gained, he had worked for. He worked for the town's love and affection. He earned that um that act of charity towards the end of it because of all the actions, all the silent actions that he took. It wasn't as easy as just Clarence going, Eh, here's your, you know, Potter was found with the $8,000. He's going to jail. You know, Billy's not a drunk anymore. Congratulations. He's sworn off the booze. (laughs) You know, they, they don't give any, they they didn't give any easy W's, man.
2: Nothing. Like it was, it was probably, I think that's what makes this movie and ending so great is that it's realistic. It's absolutely
1: realistic. Yeah. Like that's as like in life, you're seldom ever going to break even. So be happy with what you, you know, like be happy with those little wins.
2: Yeah. And like for George, I think it was the biggest win to know that all of his selfless acts mattered such on such a great scale that he could have, couldn't have even a fathom that he meant so much to so many people. Yeah. They wouldn't have, do- Cause like,
1: pr- presumably they wouldn't have done that for anybody else in the town.
2: Yeah. And like, Definitely you were would- not doing it for Potter. you would think like most people don't even like would like to think is like oh yeah it matters to a lot of people but for someone to show you how much you matter to like a whole town i don't i can't think of many people that i know today that i'd just be like oh if they weren't here like a place on a map would be Totally different. Fundamentally changed, yeah. Like just geographically changed the architecture architecture uh architecture of a society if one person wasn't there that I know personally. You know what I mean? Maybe we just hang out with bums. (laughs) I mean, hang out with you guys.
1: (laughs) Case in point. Yeah, I mean Dean, if you ever feel the need, you you can you can come down here and start throwing money at me. That's fine.
0: believe me i
2: don't <laughs> you never know when the when the mood will strike oh i if you uh, feel like making it miss, rain at jordan's
0: if you misplace eight thousand dollars and you're going to jail call someone else <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
0: that one God. phone call
1: is not going to you okay dude like hey what's going on man
0: i need eight grand right now or i'm going to jail for the rest of my life Hey, man, it was nice knowing you. We had a good
1: run. I'll be lucky to get yeah, that. Yeah. I would expect a click.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm that's going through a, a tunnel.
3: tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> actually
2: leads me to like a bit of a tangent, because uh, growing up, I think my dad had a lot of sayings that he would say over and over again that stuck in my head. And one of them was, if you ever go to jail, don't call me. You put yourself in that situation. You can get yourself out. And I remembered that Ooh. like it it stuck with me to where like there's certain situations where I was like, I can do this. And I was like, no, because if I go to jail, I know for a fact, my father would stop my mom from doing anything to get me out of that. And I would have to get out by myself.
0: I don't know, man. Some of the things that your your parents have done for you over the years. I don't know if I believe him,
2: but I'm telling you, I I mean, my parents are some of the like the best parents ever, and like I would, I'm not the man today. I wouldn't be the man today if it wasn't for both of them making a lot of sacrifices and sticking with the fact that I was just grew up as an asshole and was very hard-headed uh, to where I was like actively working to fail in a lot of instances. Um, but I, I know for a fact there are certain things that my father would do to teach me that lesson. Like, especially being a black male, like, it's like telling me straight up is like, do not go to jail. Do everything in your power to never be on the police's radar. Because once you're in that situation, he's basically saying, like, even if I come and get you, like, the repercussions of what you did is going to follow you for the rest of your life. So it's honestly not going to matter if I get you out of jail. I like the presumption
0: that you fucked up, dude. Like.
2: There's, there's no presumption of innocence you're guilty no. until proven yeah. so, like my, my father had my back but he knew he knew who I was and my mom she called me out on my shit point blank to my face so I didn't get away with much in that household and I thank them for that from the bottom of my
3: sure
1: you don't ever think that way when you're going through it though right Oh, it's hard to have that perspective no. during it, right? Because I remember being a shitty oh, little during teenager it. too. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like, dude, there's times where I visit the family, and my aunt, time and time again, is like, "How did you end up so good?" Because I was a spoiled <laughs> little shit. Like she's told me multiple times, like, "How did you end up so good?" Like the most reliable one out of all the children. And I was just like, I, I honestly don't know. I can't tell. I was a sleeper. <laughs> I was just waiting for my moment. <laughs> 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 I'm a good boy. <laughs> no?
3: Oh,
1: oh, Jesus! I think it's that time. Let me go. Let me go through my notes. Here we go,
0: Jordan's. The notes, notes.
1: are <laughs> coming. <laughs> pages <is> flipping. <laughs> 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 a lot of snow in this movie. A lot of <laughs> snow. Oh, actually, I want to talk about that. At the end of the movie, that foam snow. It was so thick, and it was obviously foam, right? Dean, you brought it up, yes. too. Yeah. Just a, yeah. a really awesome trick um, for black and white movies. It had to have been some kind of foam. I, maybe I'm wrong, but it had to have been some kind of foam. Yeah. yeah it looked oh! like really
0: thick, soapy water.
1: Yes, exactly. looks yeah. what they were filming in a bubble bath.
2: Oh, dude! Did you guys? Was it just me, or like I know this was made in the nineteen forties, but did you realize all the nasty cuts that they did? Oh, oh! The scene, super oh, jarring. The scene yeah. with,
1: Billy, uh, with Uncle Billy and Potter in the bank. Oh my!
2: Yeah, God. <laughs> dude. What was
1: it? Well, I, most... I wonder what happened then, right?
0: Yeah, dude, the most hardcore whiplashing that scene.
1: <laughs> what would have caused that? Like, like. Was someone, like, sneezing or farting during the scene? They had to keep stopping I don't know. it? Like... They
2: are they're running out of reel, so they had to just, like, deal with what they got. Like, I don't know, man. It was so was,
1: jarring. Yeah, 100%. It really was. Just like,
0: listen, our budget's gone, uh, but we need to do this reshoot. We're going to do it one
2: time, and we'll just make it work. <laughs> we'll make it work. I mean, it's it's almost worse than Santa Jaws, where they didn't do another cut of them throwing the goddamn spear into the lake. I still get. <laughs> did nobody want to swim and get it again? They could just get another spear and throw another one. Like I don't understand. Okay, we're we're done. I'm not gonna go. not gonna do it. Right. Spear landed flat in the
1: water. Nah, we'll fix
2: it, dude. Should... Like you could throw a spear like in the worst possible way, and it shouldn't land like that. Mm-hmm. so stupid
0: oh i can't wait to edit this up. <laughs>
2: um no the spear tangent must stay d why do you
1: think clarence had a copy of tom sawyer um you know,
2: i don't know what's the... that i don't yeah. know what's the meaning i mean like is that supposed to mean something to the director or is that supposed to be like a parallel to like what's happening to George? Like the adventures of Tom Sawyer and what Tom Sawyer goes through, like what George goes through. I, I don't know. I'm trying I to mean, look it up to, right now. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't remember everything that happens within Tom Sawyer other than that. He calls, uh, Oh boy, the n-word because he doesn't know any better, which is honestly like one of the most powerful scenes in the book about how maybe they learned practices are more more detrimental than you realize until like a scene like that comes to light. I
1: mean, Dean brought up a really um, clever throwaway line that Clarence throws out um, when when he's drawing out his tom sawyer copy after they fall in the river um he's like uh he clarence mentions to george say, like, oh you should read the new book mark twain's writing now
3: and oh, mark twain
1: snaps. mark twain would have been dead by then so he's writing it in heaven presumably so mm-hmm. maybe they just maybe they just thought of that line and they're like yeah let's put a mark twain novel in there just just so we can write that in that seems wait, kind wait. of
2: I know that doesn't seem Kinda like... weird. Yeah. So I want. I-, thing- I was. I was hoping that it was like a point, like a more poignant point to him, like saying he's reading the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. The only thing that I can find about it that
0: might be it is that there's a scene in Tom Sawyer where he witnesses his own death or his own funeral.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. So maybe there's just like a it's an illusion. Right. Huh. So that's the only thing that I can find. Um, It might just be as simple as Frank Capra likes the adventures of Tom Sawyer. Who knows?
1: <clears throat> During that opening scene with the galaxy angels. <laughs> which, I want an anime about that, <laughs> by the way. Um, oh my God. they're talking about Clarence and they kind of deliver a pretty ruthless line, uh, in describing Clarence, the two archangels or whomever they are. They're like, He has the IQ of a rabbit, but the faith of a child. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ooh, ouch.
0: Jesus. So savage. Man. Oh, another. Those angels are not nice.
1: Another awkward line that would not go over very well today. Um, When George was a kid, I think it was either George or Harry. I don't know which one said it, but they were talking about what they wanted to do when they grow up. And a a part of the description of what they want to be and what they want to do. One of the boys mentioned that they wanted a couple of harems. Yeah, that was George. George said that. that that. I, I think it's George. I'm pretty sure. Yeah and watching as much anime as i do now that means a lot that's very different of a meaning multiple harem multiple harems yeah Oh maybe a few ones like <laughs> just multiple harems.
0: <laughs> and i don't think that it has different meaning dude i think it means this exactly is, what you think so even
1: as a kid he knew what was up <laughs> jordan's got those big dreams still kicking around and yeah there one of those days i want them i want those couple harems one's not good enough (laughs) and maybe a few wives (laughs) um apparently i saw i I read a factoid that the uh the school that they filmed the gym the gym dance scene where the floor opened up to reveal a pool that actually still exists in hollywood and is still functional
3: huh
1: I thought it was super unique. I've never seen anything like it. And apparently it is still around and still being used. I don't know what for, but sure. swimming after the big game. I don't know. <laughs> um, we didn't even talk about this. This movie's most iconic line. Uh, when him and Mary go on well they're, um, they're walking home after the prom and George is holding up his football pants because his clothes are all wet. and Mary's just wearing a robe. And he's, uh, George is obviously trying to, um uh, he's got some advances, you know, he's a little hungry, uh-huh. you know, uh, he's being promiscuous, and he says that, uh, that like the iconic line about the moon, like, you want the moon, Mary? Throw a lasso around it. That thing has been, oh, come on, go fuck it up, George. I, I, I'm paraphrasing it, it, it. Right. please. Don't what's the full fuck line? That. I'm paraphrasing Pull it up. <laughs> oh my God. Pull it oh, out! Wait, word. what? It deserves the full line. You're right. You're right. I'm trying to paraphrase all my notes here. I apologize. The full quote is What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a good idea. And I'll give you the moon, Mary. That's the I'll line. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. That's what she says. Iconic has been parodied parried for almost a hundred years now, right? It's been in so many different forms. It's been mocked. It's been mirrored. It's been directly quoted. It's an absolutely iconic line. I would say it's probably the most iconic line out of that movie.
0: Um, if we're talking about lines that are directly associated with this movie, then yeah, I would agree with that.
1: I think, if, yeah. yeah.
0: The only one that I think rivals it and... I don't even know if we can actually attribute it to this movie, but the whole uh, every time you hear a uh, bell ring, an angel gets its wings thing. Um, but if that's from this movie, it's transcended the movie. So.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, like, I've heard that multiple times, and I've never seen this movie.
1: Um,
0: Jordan's hashing it out in his mind. Could this be from this movie? Like Is it it's possible? origins
1: from this movie. I don't think so. I think that it's I think that was a known little idiom before the movie itself. It's a random thing for a movie to coin that kind of stuff. So I I googled every time a bell rings, quote,
0: come first thing that hits. It's a wonderful life. Sure. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. It's Wonderful life. It's Wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Wonderful life. Uh...
1: No way it started with this movie. Who
0: says every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings?
1: Zuzu Bailey. Uh, It it might be, man. (laughs)
3: That's Ooh. bold,
1: dude. That that's like just making a movie, and being just coming up with just just I I I don't even know an analogy for that, but just coming up with a random saying, right? Oh, every time you knock on wood, someone gets cured of leukemia. Like just some, <laughs> just some stupid random shit. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe its origins is with this movie. That's kind of profound.
0: If it like is, creating... then that's definitely the most notable quote from this. Yeah, because like I said, it it absolutely transcended the movie itself to the point where we don't even believe that that could possibly be from this movie. You're absolutely it's
1: so right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I- I'm reading some random circumstantial stuff saying that there was probably an idiom before this movie, but it w- but this movie was propelled this. Mo- you know, propelled it into mainstreams, right like that's which is certainly possible,
0: but I mean, I would also say like if that's the case, it seems like its real origin has been lost,
3: sure,
1: mm-hmm. yeah so it's definitely at, and movie, at that point,
0: movie, movie goes... overshadowed it right, but nevertheless, uh, I think that you're the the quote that is
1: most associated
0: with this movie is last one
1: is what oh last on the moon yes
0: yeah
1: yeah what else you got in those
0: uh those encyclopedic notes there jordan Dude, i wouldn't want call to them encyclopedia move on bro. without letting you clear
1: them out bro I th- this has become you a asshole. thing i've been doing this since day one but now it's just a thing that i have to review my notes before the end of it so it's a segment yeah and it's now, now it's a literally segment. a segment you know it's jordan's segment yeah it's yeah it's fucking yeah, now for the librarian i'm spook pope librarian <laughs> Shh. quiet reading um i mean there's a lot of things that i could that, that i could dig into which um like uncle billy we can talk about uncle billy that drunken fool Dude, Uncle
0: Billy's a trip. He's got a farm going on in his office.
1: That crow? Yeah,
2: like a squirrel. Was was that a
1: crow or a raven? I always get them confused.
2: Ravens are bigger than crows,
1: right? I've seen some fat crows. Yeah! Or maybe I've seen some fat ravens. I don't know. (laughs) If it's a raven, that'd be kind of appropriate, because the whole Mark Twain thing...
0: I think it's a crow, because, like, if you look at a comparison between a crow and a raven, first of all, ravens are much larger. Okay. But also, crows are kind of, like, sleeker. Ravens look like some rough-and-tumble motherfuckers who are ready to throw down.
1: (laughs) I just typed into Google, Google, ravens versus crows.
2: (laughs) You get a football match? Raven v. Crow. I found a YouTube video. It's Raven Simone versus Russell Crow. <laughs> so, first of all, it's a
0: raven. It is. Second of all, it's named Jimmy the Raven. Oh, okay. All right. And appeared in more than one thousand feature films.
2: Oh, that's oh that's a my god.
1: Raven.
0: That is the most prolific actor
1: in Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Give that raven a star, dude! Holy shit!
0: Often incorrectly credited as Jimmy the Crow. Wow, it's the crow that landed on the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz. It's a raven.
2: It's a raven, right? Uh, Yeah,
0: it says crow here. So the
2: closest. The closest human is Eric Roberts, and that is 401 movies.
0: (laughs) Jimmy Stewart is quoted as saying,
2: when they call Jimmy, we both answer. Damn, I didn't know Danny Trejo was number five with 307. Movie three hundred seventeen movies.
0: Sam Mickey Jackson's Rooney up there
2: on that list, isn't he? No, he's not even in the top ten. Really, he's Mickey Rooney's three thirty five. Uh, I don't know why he's not up here. I I would think he would be up here. Jimmy the Raven also received a Red
0: Cross gold medal in acknowledgment of two hundred hours spent entertaining veterans after the war. And how is, his is the Raven for entertaining interview? veterans? I I don't know. It doesn't give me those details. But uh, his footprints were enshrined in cement at a large Los Angeles pet store alongside Lassie and other Hollywood animal stars. Yeah. So His, so, his last credited film was Three Ring Circus in 1954, after which little is known about him. Jerry yeah. the Raven
2: just up and dusted. <laughs> went to, nice. Probably went to Raven heaven. Yeah, that's uh, sad. A really cool Jackson, only 153 movies. That's surprising.
1: That's a cool factoid though. That's a though. lot, dude. That's a cool factoid.
2: Oh damn, I didn't know he is 71. He looks good. You know what? We're just going to
0: read the entire itinerary of Jimmy the Raven real quick. This this How bird about we don't deserves our no. respect. Jimmy Jesus. the Raven Dad, often credited as Jimmy the Crow. Buckle up. The a raven who appeared in more than 1,000 feature films from the 1930s through the 1950s. He first appeared in You Can't Take It With You in 1938 after which director Frank Capra cast the bird in every subsequent movie he made. Wow. Among his roles were uncle Billy's pet seen in the building and loan in it's a wonderful life. And the crow that landed on the scarecrow in the wizard of Oz, Jimmy belonged to Hollywood animal trainer, curly Twyford who found the bird in a nest in the Mojave desert in 1934. What an origin story. Twifford trained Jimmy to do an assortment of tricks such as typing, opening letters, and even riding a tiny motorcycle. Things that would make him appealing to use in films. Jimmy could understand several hundred words, though only around 50 were what Twifford called useful. It took Jimmy a week to learn a new useful word, two weeks if it had two syllables. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Twifford said that Jimmy could perform any task that an eight year old child could see bird intelligence. (laughs) His human co-stars were complimentary of the bird. When they call Jimmy, we both answer, remarked Jimmy Stewart on the set of It's a Wonderful Life, noting that the Raven is the smartest actor on the set, requiring fewer retakes than his human counterparts. As he became more popular with the studio, Metro Goldwyn Mayer had him insured for ten thousand dollars. Lloyd's of London wrote a policy to cover Jimmy's five hundred dollar a week fee. Holy shit!
1: Damn. As,
0: as well as Curly Twifford's two hundred dollar handler fee, bro.
1: This dude was breaking it in with this bird. A thousand movies at seven hundred dollars a week, dude. Yo, a raven's lifespan is ten to fifteen years. I mean, he did on average a little, maybe a little bit less than a hundred films a year.
0: Uh, well, I mean, he would have had to have lived for twenty years because he started in nineteen thirty-eight. Well, no, sixteen years. He was alive for at least six. He was years
1: an old raven then, because of his.
0: Um, uh, anyway um let's see what does it say here in the event jimmy forgot any of the words he would need on set twifford credited these fees with keeping him solvent during world war ii at one point jimmy had 21 stand-ins 15 of which were female who would fill in for him when the scene did not require any tricks
1: or movement (laughs) dude the bird
0: has stunt doubles
1: (laughs) By the way, 16 <laughs> years, 1,000 films, that's 62 films a year.
0: Yo. 62. Uh, let see. Jimmy received the Red Cross Gold Medal in acknowledgement of two hours spent entertaining veterans after the war, and his footprints were enshrined in men. Large Los Angeles Pet Store alongside Lassie and other Hollywood animal stars. His last created film was Three Ring Circus in 1954, after which little is known about him. Though Curly Twifford said Jimmy would probably live to be 150 years old. Which the papers reprinted. In reality, Ravens seldom live more than thirty years in captivity. Twifford died in nineteen fifty-six at the age of
1: Jesus. Incredible. Just really really a cool factoid.
0: That is uh way more information than I expected to find about that bird.
1: Bird has lived the life of a hundred people. Like that's a Bitchin' bird, dude. it How many birds do you know that can ride a fucking
0: motorcycle?
1: <laughs> Can't get, get on Jimmy's level. If I ever have the opportunity of having a pet raven, I know its name immediately.
0: I mean, I fucking hate birds, but I'm down with Jimmy the Raven. Yeah. J- Jimmy the Raven was home.
1: I feel like Jimmy the Raven. He'd be cool. You know. Yeah. You can tell yeah, him we
0: could we could kick it and have a beer with Jimmy the Raven.
1: He'd probably oh, open that damn, beer damn for damn us. Damn right he would. <laughs> On his motorcycle <laughs> on his motorcycle and like, go get us a beer H- Dude, hits him a little trailer clip of jimmy
0: the raven on a motorcycle
1: i actually looked at uh, uh, up in uh, youtube trying to find something uh...
0: wait wait
1: I looked up Jimmy the Crow, and I got a lot of Jim Crow things. For some reason, I'm getting a lot of black. I'm so so sorry. (laughs) I'm also getting a lot of blackface videos. I'm like, what the heck? This is going to ruin my algorithm. I've Googled incorrectly. (laughs) This is going to ruin my YouTube algorithm now. I'm going to start getting recommended. These crazy-ass videos. Well,
0: (laughs) Anyway, today we learned about Jimmy the Raven. The greatest actor in Hollywood history.
2: Yeah, really this the star of the show, let's be honest.
0: As it turns out. I'm still rising.
2: surprised Danny Trejo starred in over three hundred effing movies. Starred or appeared? Appeared.
0: Okay. That makes more sense. I was like, I haven't seen Homeboy that many times.
2: You probably haven't just haven't noticed it. Maybe. Anyway. Good old crazy Uncle Billy. Oh.
1: We also learned something new this movie. We learned about a 4F card.
0: Yes. Yes, something that uh, isn't really a thing. No, it's
1: a draft card <laughs> to show, I think to show a draft exemptions, maybe? Right?
0: I don't know if that's
1: specifically
0: for draft exemptions. Wasn't but...
1: Potter handling those? <clears throat> I don't think he was handling them, no. That was something the government handed out. But it was something that Clarence brought up um, because um, George was going through his pockets after he was being shown the town if he was never born. And Clarence Mm -hmm. was like, you're not going to find your license, your ID, your will, your 4F card. He was listing off all these things that he would have had on him. Lastly, would be the pedals that Zuzu gave him
0: in his insurance
1: and and there, there you go that's what i was thinking of not well the insurance um so it says draft classification
0: 4f defined by general lewis b hershey the director of selective service is a category of men found unfit for military mm. service due to physical mental or moral i don't know what a moral reason be, but there
3: you go
1: so i guess that um I guess, like, during those times, if you were of age to have been drafted, it probably looked really bad that you weren't in the military, right? So you had to have some type of excuse, maybe, to make it just or they, acceptable. Or they think you a deserter.
2: No, because the cops, if the cops found out that oh, you're you. a deserter of the draft, yeah. they'll forcibly push you into the draft. Forcibly right. take you in. The there you draft. Go. draft dodging was a serious
1: right. crime. I'm sure it was for that, but it was also, there was also a cultural impact, right? So I'm sure a bunch of people are really sour about their sons going to war and they see this eligible person. Why aren't you in the war? My sons are over there. So this was something, you know, that they could that they could say this is why. I'm sure there was a lot of other challenges um, that we just never hear about that came of it, right? Those those disdains that others would have looking upon. Eligible men that could have gone and been drafted instead of maybe that person's son or father or whomever. So
0: them damn Richards who bought 4F cards.
1: Yeah, really. You got uh, bone spurs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I've gone through my notes. I, I have a lot of notes here. Most of it is just so I can remember specific things about the movie. But I think that we've um, we've gone over a
2: lot of it already touched upon the importance
1: we have there are there, there this movie is just so it's packed with so much right um that yeah. i could talk in depth about a, a lot of different scenes that we've that we've mulled over here um but i don't think that, there, that there'll there be any more value for this conversation i think that we've really dove into as much as we as we could at least i feel like i've dove in to as much as i could so
0: yeah i mean you're 100 percent right like there's there's a thousand things that we could deep dive on like the the 4k HD transfer of the film and how you can you know pick out that George is smoking a corncob pipe instead oh, of yeah random pipe. <laughs> yeah. Um, or the the little details in the movie that probably nobody saw before those HD transfers like uh how George still has rice in his hair when he runs over to the building alone after he gets married and doesn't have a chance to go on its honeymoon um how mary has this fucking Clark Kent thing going on when oh yeah he, uh, goes to the the world where he was never born and yeah it was weird it's hard to tell that that's even the same actor or uh my man Uncle Billy who lets us know that the three greatest sounds in the world are breakfast is served lunch is served and dinner is served
1: excellent man after my own heart
0: um, one thing I do want to take note of is the scene right before George and Mary get married, which is fucking hard to watch, really, um, where George is kind of wandering around the streets after his brother comes home, and he's this hero, and he just got married and all this shit, and uh, he ends up over at Mary's house. and. His her mother's giving him a hard time because she doesn't like George. She wants Mary to end up with Sam because he's got money. She really doesn't like late. George. She really doesn't like George. Um, And at one point, she says, what, what did he come over here for? And Mary just kind of looks at him and goes, what did you come over here for? She says, I don't know. I'm fucking leaving. I'm out of here. Whatever. And Sam calls. and Oh. He's talking to him about getting in on the ground floor of plastics. And... Really
1: quick, before yeah. that, um, a funny line that Mary throws out uh, when her mom asks what they're doing. She's like, "We're having uh, what you say we're violently making love, or something like that." He's making, oh yeah, love he's making violent love to me, mother. <laughs> just, just such a smart ass,
3: just to get under her skin. <laughs>
0: I'm like, what the. F- Fuck does that mean? (laughs) But then we find out not too long afterwards when uh George just starts shaking Mary. Like and that and that's what I want to bring up is he gets really upset because he he this is kind of like his breaking point, right? Where he sees all these good things happening to the people around him, specifically his brother. And how nothing has gone his way, and he says, I just want to do what I want to do. And he gets, he gets a little rough and tumble with Mary, I'm not going to lie. He's shaking her. Um, Made
2: me a little uncomfortable to watch. I mean, there's a lot of things back in those days that make me uncomfortable. The fact that it's commonplace to smack around a small child. Smack the shit out of a small child. Dude, he wasn't even stopping neither. He was going to town. Hey,
3: or, or
1: just having a small child work for you. <laughs> this also awkward and weird. Sure. Sure. Um, Sending yeah. sending your piss drunk uncle to walk home with no supervision. Right. That also is weird. I would definitely walk nah, him home. Billy will be fine. Nah, he's got it. He'll just he'll fall in a bush or something. Yeah, that that was It'll that work. was roughly. I, I understand cuz his whole life up until that point, him and Mary have always played this on, on again, off again. Not that they've dated, but they've always they've always played with each other, right? They've always had that that type of relationship. And I think at that moment he was just tired of it. Right? He he didn't want to lose another thing. He was tired of taking those Ls, so he took the W for himself and he got the girl that he wanted.
0: Although yeah. he shook that W right uh, off,
1: yeah, a little, Jesus. a little weird, right? But, <clears throat> um, you know, I think that was an acting choice, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, but and then the the mother clutches her pearls when she sees them embraced, and runs back up the stairs. Literally, yeah. But that was, you know, he has very few W's in this movie. That was one of them. Actually getting married. Get, get, yeah. Getting the girl he wanted. Um, and not letting his friend
2: just swoop Sam. in and take him. Yeah. Yeah, even when Sam called him, he like, like got on the phone and was like, Oh, what, are you talking to my girl? And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. And,
1: and obviously, well, th- th- their friendship transcends Mary because Sam didn't give a damn. He was perfectly fine. He was unfazed by the whole thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if you think about it, George actually ends up with a lot of W's in the
3: movie.
1: I don't think he
0: breaks even, though. Mm. I don't know that he breaks even either, but he does come out on top more often than I think most people give him credit for. Because it's a matter of perspective, right? So, like, on the one hand, you'd be like, well, when he was a child, he got sick and lost hearing his ear. On the other hand, he saved his brother from drowning. On the one hand, he has to go through all this shit and watch his brother be successful and get married, but he also got his high school sweetheart and had three children. Four children? Four. Maybe four. I think it's four. 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 Um,
2: Three girls and a
0: boy. Yeah, so he has four wonderful children with the woman of his dream. He get stuck in Bedford Falls basically forever, but he convinced the board to overthrow Potter, of all people, and save the building alone. He managed to prop up this brand new suburb and get all these people houses who would have otherwise been out, down and out. So, my point is that and I think one of the underlying points of the film, maybe, is that It's all a matter of perspective. George is at the end of his rope because he's looking at it from all the negative.
1: He's looking at his personal sacrifice only.
0: I I mean, he's looking at it from like this, what have you done for me lately type of perspective Mm -hmm. when in reality he got a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, beautiful family, a whole town who cares for him, a good job. He has really everything a man could ask for. And the only thing that truly goes devastatingly wrong for him, gets turned around immediately by all of his family and friends. Yeah. I think the only thing in this whole movie that you can say is truly like an L for him that doesn't get compensated to him in any way, shape or form is his hearing, losing his hearing. But I mean, like again, he, the trade off for that is that his brother's life was saved to your point earlier, Jordan, like that's not equivalent exchange. <clears throat> he saved his brother's life for the loss of hearing in one ear. I mean, like that's, that's a, he should be a suit of armor. Win. I know you should be a blood stain on the inside of a suit of armor um so my point is like at the end of the day we call this an absolute win everything does kind of come up millhouse
1: i think that's what the movie tries to to impart at the end right right and it does a very good job of it i think it does an incredible job of it very 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 deep. Sometimes it's hard to watch. You know, you're always rooting for Wouldn't him. You. Yep. Great movie. Definitely one of the greatest of all time. Um. Uh, so I can see why it's on people's lists,
2: you know, consistently. Must watch list. yeah. For sure. Gentlemen. Jordan, let's start with you.
1: How do you rate this movie? I'm gonna give it This movie is going to get. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. This movie's getting 85 bells out of 53.
0: Ooh, I like that.
2: Yep. What about you, John? I'm going to have to say 18 sleigh bells out of 20 and a partridge in a pear tree. Ooh,
0: Ooh and a partridge in <laughs> a pear tree. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, for me personally, I think I'm going to give this movie 333,626.92 bells out of 10.
2: Excellent. Yeah. Glorious scale. Glorious.
0: <clears throat> Gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode?
2: Don't take what you got for granted. You never know what you got till it's lost.
1: I learned Batman Returns as a Christmas movie
2: as always
0: before we go remember that you can catch the show live every week on twitch an entire week before it goes live on all other feeds as well as submit your questions and comments for us to read live on the show if you're listening to this after the fact follow us and leave a review on your service of choice and don't forget that you can chat with us anytime over in our discord server you can find all the relevant links below and as always Man is never a failure, who ask Fred.